Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Thank you guys. Thank you, David, for that prayer. Now I get to spend the next 20 minutes disappointing you. What an introduction, man. How do I follow up uh, that? Um, But today I actually want to start off by talking about somebody really important in our American history. So she was born in the 1800s during the time of the American Civil War. She would eventually uh, go on to actually escape slavery. And then from there, she would go on 13 missions, freeing another 70 people who were enslaved just like she was. A little bit later, she would then enlist in the Union Army and be a part of a team that would then liberate another 700 people that were enslaved. Her name was Harriet Tubman. Her name was Harriet Tubman. And I can just imagine those moments where she knew she was going to escape and she starts running and her master was going to pursue her. I'm sure bullets were flying by her head. And if she would escape, then she's got to figure out how am I going to eat, drink, and have shelter on the journey to wherever she's headed. And even if she makes it, is there going to be refuge for her? Or is she going to end up right back where she was from the beginning? in slavery. And man, none of us in this room would pretend to take what she did for granted. Man, what she did mattered. What she did mattered so much. But I don't think any of us are uh, naive to the fact that there's still remnants of slavery. There's still remnants of sin. And if we were honest, and I'll be honest, there's still remnants of sin in me. Because scripture invites us and, 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 and reminds us that whatever we're a slave to is truly our master. So let's pray. So Father, the posture we come to you with today is one of brokenness. God, I pray that right now you begin to just reveal the state of our own heart. To reveal the things that maybe have just escaped your presence. uh, To reveal to us, God, the areas in our heart that we're just enslaved to. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray that as, as we engage that, God, as, as you just reveal maybe some, some areas of our heart that maybe are, are distant from you, apart from you, God, you have a prescription for that. And God, you're wanting to reveal yourself in and through our weakness. And so Lord, we invite you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, amen, church. So if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you would know we're in a series called I Am. And so in the Gospel of John, uh, there's seven different I Am statements where Jesus uses these really simple terms uh, to really reveal a part of his identity. And David mentioned it last week, but sheep are not the brightest of animals. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the sheep. Um, And what I love about Jesus is he used really simple terms. He didn't say, I am calculus, because if he said that, man, we're doomed. We don't have any idea how to navigate a life like that. Um, But Jesus knows us. He knows that we need to be uh, revealed to in a way that's simple. And so today I'm going to be talking about I am the door. 
Um, so Jesus is basically revealing a part of him through the door. So yes, there is a reason we got this massive door behind me. And so you'll notice it's just this huge door, um, super big. It's, it weighs like a fortune. So I apologize for the guy that had to move it here. So sorry about that. And what's special about this door is it actually was specifically removed from David's office. Um, and we specifically had it moved for, for this sake, for a time as this. So, so sorry, David, we took your door from you. I'm going to use it today. Um, but the reality is this, the door is everything. Man, everything that Jesus pointed to with that door was the most important thing. And so I want to jump into our text today. We're going to be in John 10, 7 through 10. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up. Otherwise, I'll go ahead and get us started here. So verse 7 says this. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, and whenever truly, truly is mentioned in the Bible, he's saying something again, and he's emphasizing its importance. So he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. So as we, we come up here, um, basically what Jesus is doing is he's painting a metaphor for us. He's, he's prescribing himself as this door, um, and what he's doing is he's actually uh, teaching us in a way where we know the function of a door. And so he's saying, I am like a door. My function is like a door. Uh, my purpose is like a door, and I'm here to invite people into that. Um, and so there's a picture up on the screen, and basically on the other side of this door would be something that would, or this could be a gate, uh, would be something that looked a little bit like this. Um, and so that is what's called a sheepfold. So on the other side of the door behind it would be this just big rock uh, area where sheep would actually um, go in, and that would be kind of their dwelling place. And so... The, the text says, I am the door of the sheep. So he's revealing his identity, but he's also revealing the identity of the sheep. And I find it interesting that he says, I am the door of the sheep, meaning who they are, everything they, they actually are made up of is actually directly tied to Jesus's identity. It's shared in some ways. And so as we continue on with the text, um, what, what is interesting is Jesus doesn't actually say, I am the sheepfold. So again, the sheepfold is on the other side of that. And that's actually where the sheep dwell. That's where they would be. They would sit, you know, th that's where they would be protected. And actually, um, uh, you know, that would be the area where they would actually dwell. So for a sheep, the sheepfold is like home. But Jesus doesn't say, I am the sheepfold. Jesus says, I am the door. And the reason he says that is because I think what's more important than where the sheep dwell is how they get into the dwelling place. And so Jesus is emphasizing a truth here. He doesn't say, I'm the sheepfold. He says, I am the door. And how you get into the sheepfold matters. But the, if we're following the metaphor here, Jesus is the door. The sheep, obviously, he's talking about people. But there's one more person, a part of the story. And so Jesus, he, he proposes a bit of a problem here. So he goes in uh, to the text and says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. So he's saying, I'm the door, I'm good, and I'm here for the sheep. But there's a problem. It's not just us. There's another group of people. 
And who he's referring to as the thieves and robbers are actually the Pharisees. So when he says, all who came before me, he's talking about the Pharisees. And we all know about the Pharisees, right? They're religious elite people who they uh, crossed their T's, dotted their I's, they did everything right on paper. But the thing that mattered most, they didn't seem to care about. The Pharisees, they claimed to love God, but they hated Jesus. They claimed to know God. They claimed to to do everything right. But when it came to Jesus, they, they didn't care about him. They weren't concerned about Jesus. In fact, Jesus was a very threat to what they were trying to do. And what they were trying to do is just elevate their self to make them higher. And Jesus was a threat to that. And so the, the text continues in verse 8. Uh, and it says, but the sheep did not listen to them. And I'm going to say that again. But the sheep did not listen to them. Who's them? The Pharisees. So Jesus is saying, he's revealing something about the sheep. And he says, man, the sheep know my voice and they're listening. They're not listening to what the Pharisees are saying. They're only listening to me. And so what, what was really, really cool about the context of John and, and, and talking about the shepherds in the sheepfold is um, the only way I can compare this is we all know what a modern day um, park and ride is, right? Nobody knows who owns it, but we all go there, we park our cars and we leave. And, you know, that's, that's a benefit to us. It's when we're traveling, it's when we're moving. And so during this time, they would have had something similar to that. They would have had a, a sheepfold that looked, um, you know, like the picture I had earlier. And basically the purpose of that was in the countryside, there would be different shepherds traveling and there would be sheepfolds scattered throughout so they could rest on their, on their journey. And so as people were coming through, shepherds would be bringing their sheep and they'd be throwing them into the sheepfold. And over time, you would get maybe three, four, five different shepherds in their sheep in this, in this, you know, the actual sheepfold. And so I'm thinking, man, they're all white, fuzzy, and bleak. Like, how the heck are you going to find your sheep in that sheepfold when they're all mixed? And it actually had nothing to do with the shepherd. Um, each shepherd, when they would come and call for their sheep, only their sheep would respond. Only their sheep would actually respond to their voice. In fact, the other sheep, they would actually run away, indicating that they know the shepherd's voice. They know who their shepherd is. And so what I, what I would offer this morning is actually the greatest weakness of a sheep is its greatest asset or greatest strength. David mentioned it last week. Sheep are not very intelligent. They're not smart animals. But yes, they may be dumb, they may be stupid, they may be totally, you know, unself-sufficient, but man, are they dependent. They are totally dependent on the shepherd. And so what's weak about the sheep is actually its greatest asset. It only listens to its shepherd's voice. There is no other voice that it'll listen to. And I want to let us into a story um, it was about my six, my first six months in ministry. So this is a few years ago. And I remember being in the season where I wasn't having a lot of fun. And if I was being honest with you, I was getting tired of being a sheep. I was, get, I was really tired of, of living a life like this where everything was at, was, was at my fingertips. And I felt like I had to live my life like this. Like, all right, God. Every day I wake up, I don't know what's next. 
I don't know if I'll have food on the table, but I've given my life to you. So, and I'll be, if I was honest with you, that got weary. I got tired of living that way. And I remember my first six months of ministry, I came home from a student ministry night. Um, and by the way, there was nothing wrong with the church I was at. Awesome church, awesome leadership. Everything that was going on was internal. I came home, I looked at Mariah, I said, I have no question that God has called me to ministry, but I wish he hadn't. I wish he hadn't. I don't like doing this. And what I felt in that moment was I felt like a complete slave. I felt like God was just this guy looking down and saying, yep, I got you. You know, I get, I get a vision of the, you know, the guy with the, the hook. You got to be quicker than that. It's just like, I, it's like I felt like that. I felt like everything was out of reach. I felt like it, I didn't want to really do this, but God called me to it. And if I was honest with you, as I was going through that season, I was seeking for freedom. I was looking for it. I was looking for freedom, but I wasn't looking in the right places. And I remember feeling insecure in a lot of different ways and feeling like I was living in a glass house and I was just like, man, I just want something else. And, and so I remember I was like, well, maybe I can, you know, create security in me. And so I was like trying to like start different businesses that I knew nothing about. Uh, so for those of you in marketing, I was like your perfect target. So on Facebook, you know, those things that say, hey, in three easy steps, you'll be a millionaire. That was me. I clicked on all of them. I clicked on all of those, those ads, and, and what I was trying to do was, I was like, well, maybe there's a plan B. If this ministry thing doesn't work out, you know, I'd like to have a second option. I'd like to create my own level of security. And I wouldn't say this at that time, but really what I was doing was, I was tired of being a sheep. What I wanted to be was God. Self-sufficient, not dependent on anyone or anything free, without need. I wouldn't have said that at that time, but that's, that's really deep down. I was tired of being a sheep. I just wanted to trade places with God at that point. And so for you, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you're chasing. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's status. Maybe you're finding your identity in a relationship. I think if all of us in the room were honest this morning, no matter how far you are in your own journey with the Lord, there's probably some things that if we were honest, that kind of ring our bell. That every morning when we wake up, we feel it. You know, we sense it. And so the more that I chase freedom outside of God, the less that I felt. I felt like it was just running away from me. So the question we, we got to ask is, okay, so if you can't find freedom in things and status and relationship and money, then where do we get it? Where can we actually find freedom? So I want to invite us into verse 9. Jesus reveals the answer here. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So what Jesus is saying is freedom cannot actually be found in purses, places, people, or things. It can't be done. Freedom can only be found in Jesus. And so in this context, um, what would have happened is there would have actually been uh, a gatekeeper here. And so if you, if you put the uh, picture on the screen one more time, 
this one kind of bewildered me. I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is not, I'm going to take a serious, I'm going to take the serious moment, set it aside and just explain a little bit of my study. So I'm looking at that. And if you notice, there's no door on that cheap fold. And so as I'm studying it, I came to this conclusion of why in the world didn't they put a door on that thing? And it would be equivalent to me, you know, building a house and then not having a door intentionally, having company come over and ask, uh, why don't you have a door? And me saying, ah, I didn't feel like you needed it. Didn't feel like we needed it. It's like there was no, I couldn't find any reason for why they didn't have a door other than one thing, other than one thing. And there would have been what's called a gatekeeper. And basically the gatekeeper would have actually laid down in front of the sheepfold. So that way when the sheep are in there, if any predators came to get it, that gatekeeper would lay its life down for its sheep. And what was important is it was always its own shepherd. They wouldn't have a different shepherd watching somebody else's sheep because the second harm comes, the hired hand, he's running. But the sheep shepherd, he's going to lay down. He's going to lay down and he's not moving. There was a nickname for Harriet, Tub for Harriet Tubman and it was Moses because like Moses, she helped free people from captivity. But I'll tell you this, the greatest thing that Harriet Tubman and Moses did was not free people from slavery. It was they came to the reality themselves that without God, there was nothing they could do to be free. Harriet Tubman was a Christian well before she escaped. So she was free way before she ever left. The most important thing that they did was yield to God. Harriet Tubman and Moses, they freed bodies, but Jesus frees souls. They couldn't do what Jesus does. And he's saying, I'm the gatekeeper. Come to me. And, and we look, when we look at what this costs God, literally God, he, was, he is and totally sufficient. He didn't need anything. He didn't, knew, he didn't need to do anything. But out of his loving kindness, he became a man. He totally emptied out himself of power and became the door for us. He literally became that for us. Jesus didn't discover freedom. He is freedom. That's the truth we get to sit with today. Harriet found it. Moses found it. Other people will try to look for it. But the reality is, is Jesus didn't have to discover it, man. He is freedom. And when we come to him, he actually shares that freedom with us. But he knows, he knows we're a little bit slow. He knows we need to be reminded. And so the text, the way that it happens is he's revealing himself, reminding us of the enemy, revealing himself. And one more time, he reminds us of the enemy again. In verse um, in verse 9 here, he says, or sorry, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So right now, he's reminding us that the Pharisees, that is their goal. Is the sheep coming in to the door, their one goal is to steal, kill, and destroy that path. The Pharisees didn't have a religious practice problem. They had a heart problem. They knew what to do. They knew how to do it. They knew when to pray, but they didn't know why to pray. They had everything but the main thing, and that was Jesus. 
And the biggest lie that they wanted them to believe and anyone else that would be like a false teacher today is that you can discover power and freedom on your own. That there's a different way. That you can go around that door into the sheepfold and have everything you've ever wanted. That's the lie that they were portraying. And if I'm honest with you, I can totally relate to that. And I've had many, many times where I was looking in the wrong places. Being a devout Christian in, in one area and just loving God, but, but then slowly just feeling my mind slipping or my heart slipping and trying to find some level of security outside of who God was. If I'm honest with you, I can relate to the Pharisees. And so what I want to invite us into today is if you have a heart problem, if you have a brokenness inside of you, that God wants to prescribe healing to that, that he actually is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we come to him, he wants to restore some of those pieces of our heart that if we're really honest with ourselves, probably exist in us. And the reality is, is he's inviting us to come into that door, to actually come to him. There is no door. He is the door. He didn't discover freedom. He is freedom. And what he's doing is he's inviting uh, only sheep into that door. Only sheep are allowed through the door. And if we remember earlier, what marks a sheep is that they listened only to God and no one else. The sheep listen only to God and no one else. So verse 10, it ends this way. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus laid his life down, just like the gatekeeper, just like the good shepherd. Jesus literally laid his life down so you could walk through this door. Easter's coming up and everything we're, we're anticipating is death is resurrection. All of that was for this. He literally became the door. He is freedom. And he wants us to walk into that and share that freedom with him. And nobody in this room is above that freedom. And I anticipate that we're hungry for it. And so I want to share a story here. We... Um, some of our staff went to Exponential, which is kind of like a church planning conference. And when we got there, I just couldn't stop crying. And I'm not, a, I had somebody pray over me prophetically and he said, I don't, I don't get a sense that you're much of a crier. I'm not. And then what he said after that was, I sense there will be a season where you will cry. A couple months down the road, he, he read my journal. I'm convinced of it. And I just couldn't stop crying. And, and as I, what really, here's what was happening. Jesus was the door to me there. And, and what I felt like was he was just standing here. And he just kept saying, Cody, just come to me. Cody, just come to me. And the only thing that I did was I was just kind of open. I was a little bit more open to listening to his voice. And so I just felt like him saying, Cody, just come to me. And, and what was happening is I just started uh, feeling like he wanted me to just let some stuff go. And so 
during moments throughout the different days, I was just repenting. That's literally all I was doing is I was just repenting of things. I was kind of laying stuff down. And basically what was happening is I was being emptied of sin and God was filling me with freedom. God's actually not asking us to be strong. He's asking us to be weak. Because if we will be weak and empty ourselves, then he can fill us with his spirit, with his freedom, with healing. And I just couldn't stop crying because it shocked me that I could experience the goodness of God like that. It shocked me that his presence was so tangible in the room like that. And so what I want you to know is whenever we repent, whenever we come to God, he doesn't invite us in guilt and shame. He wants us to come to him and repent so that we can be free. And so as I was repenting to God, what he was doing was he was releasing me for those things. Man, I felt like I was a thousand pounds lighter walking out of that conference. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And if I was honest with you, my prayer life leading up to it wasn't the greatest. But it didn't matter to him. He could see I was just stuck or hurting and he just, he just wanted me to listen. To just lay things down. And man, did he fill me up. Just with freedom. Just a new sense of my identity with him. Guys, we literally can't hear his voice when we're so full of the lies of the enemy. What I'm asking you to do is be a sheep. I was sick and tired of being a sheep, and God reminded me why that's such a great honor. Man, I love being a sheep. I got the dumb part figured out. The listening part, though, slow learner but man is it good to just be a sheep again to listen to him to have him wash over me so here's what I want to do real simple I just want to invite us into that posture of repenting so there's probably a few different people in the room probably most of us you have a relationship with God and so what I want to invite you into is just repenting of a type of sin. I don't know what it is, and it doesn't matter what it is. It might be addiction. It might be greed. It might be jealousy. It might be misplaced identity. And so if you're a believer in the room, what I just want to invite your posture to be is to just repent of whatever that is. And God doesn't invite you into repentance to shame you. That's why we don't repent, because we don't want to get there. We don't even want to get our mind or our heart there because we just don't want to sulk in that shame. He doesn't want you to sulk in that shame. He wants to give you that shame. He wants you to give him that shame because he didn't discover freedom. He is freedom. So when you give it to him, you can truly be free. There might be another, uh, you know, maybe you're online, maybe you're in the room. I think there's another group that you've never given your life to Jesus and you don't know him. And so what I want to invite you into 
is repenting of a life without God. Man, just lay that down. And everyone that loves Jesus did that. And we're inviting you into that same posture. That if you've never stepped through that, that door, that if you've never stepped in that relationship with Jesus, he's inviting you in and saying, I love you. And if you don't know him, man, you got to know that God is pursuing you. He wants you so bad. And it's simple. All we do is we repent and believe. We get to step into a relationship with him. He's not guilting us. He's not guilting you. He loves us too much for us to stay stuck. He doesn't want you to stay stuck. He cares way too much about you. And so the worship team, they're going to play in the back and they're intentionally not going to sing for a few minutes here. And the purpose of that time is that we'll just be sheep and listen. Don't think about what's for lunch, what you got next, what's on your schedule. Just kind of empty yourself right now. You can even start to bow your head. And as the music plays, just start to listen. And just be obedient to how he wants you to respond. The call is repentance, but some of you might feel called to come up here and just kneel. Some of you might just want to kneel up here and our prayer team just wants to pray over you. But if that's not what you want to do, no pressure. Let's worship. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.